Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This is the broadcast for February the 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. Absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a lot to talk about today. I'll tell you what, let's start with the recap of yesterday's broadcast. We had our guest on Mr. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, RonPaulInstitute.org, doing a great job for Campaign for Liberty. We talked about this incredible article written by Sarah Lilly. What is so special about the Capitol? And she points out that, you know what, why do these elites think that the Capitol building uh, or the elite place where, uh, you know, bureaucrats are housed, you know, you would say elected officials, but with vote fraud and everything else, Big, 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 big money going into campaigns, and they're not really elected officials to a great degree. I know that's sad. I know people want to believe that the vote's all intact and all is well, but it isn't true. You say, Sam, you're undermining the very fabric of our republic. No, no, no. No, no, no. Those who are perverting the vote are undermining the very fabric of America. For me to call a halt to that con game is actually defending the fabric of the greatest country on the face of the earth this sacred idea about a vote is important right and don't blame it on me because people are messing up the voting process in america i'm just calling a halt to their shenanigans and dishonesty and saying we've got to get to the bottom of it going to your local precincts to your state to your county or the answer going to the federal government is not the answer uh, but i don't hear anybody focusing on that but me really anyway i bring this up because we need to stand tall for liberty folks and we can't just set aside these things we can't just say the vote's stolen we've given up we've got to bring back vote count integrity let me say that again we need to bring back vote count integrity all right and that's something really really important to understand and i don't bring this up to be negative about america i don't bring this up to down america i bring this up because i believe that's one of the brilliant portions of our constitutional republic there are democratic principles that do relate to our constitutional republic now we don't have a democracy that's a lie but there are democratic principles that do relate anyway so this incredible column basically says you know what what's so special about the capital why are why are they above reproach we've had riots in our streets all summer long and the democrats not only um ignored it in many cases but they backed it in many cases, they literally doubled down and made you believe that that was legitimate and okay and fine to destroy pi- private and public property. They made you believe it was okay for the violence because the ends justified the means. Da 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 da. Hey, these people have no other venue but to riot. Da da da. Going up. The, you know what? Payback um, is necessary, or what? and they went along with it. 
But then when it's the Capitol, they just absolutely come unglued like it's a terrorist, uh, like it's an insurrection, like it's a, what's the difference is her point. And I think she's right. Not that I'm justifying rioting, the destruction of property, or violence in any case. But her point is, why is the Capitol so, uh, what do they call that word, satrosanct? But yet the uh, you know streets of America, the average city or your home or my home or whatever neighborhood, why is it not really a big deal then? But when it's the capital, it's a huge deal. See, and that's the point we're getting at. Were these, were these attempts to overthrow the government? Maybe by a few individuals who should be prosecuted completely. But most people, and this is the narrative that no one's willing to really highlight in the media, except for a few conservative talk show hosts, the majority of the people that went to the Capitol were not violent. They were humble, Trump-following, praying Christians who meant peace and who meant to say, look, we do believe there's vote fraud, and we would like this to be investigated. We don't have all the evidence because you know what? A lot of this is um, not an information that we have unless we can subpoena, unless we can uh, you know, investigate, unless we can have a due process. Right. And so a lot of us don't have all the answers, nor do we claim we do. But we're sick of them telling us before we can, you know what, enter a discovery phase in a due process of law court situation. They say, oh, you're crazy. This isn't true. There's no evidence. There's there's plenty of anecdotal evidence. There's plenty of witness evidence. There's plenty of circumstantial concerns. Okay, we don't have all the goods, nor did we ever say we did. But we do have enough to certainly investigate. We do certainly have enough to enter a discovery phase in court without a doubt. But they say without evidence, without any, as if there's, there's no discovery period that takes place. But yet they want to go over Donald Trump on it, over his tax returns without evidence. But what they want is investigative powers. Now they say the court's given us access to Donald Trump's IRS records. Now let's do the digging and find what we think we were looking for. So on one side of the coin, when it comes to Donald Trump's records, they they know they don't have the goods, but they say we have enough to think we have more. We want to investigate. We want to dig in. We want discovery. Now they're getting it. But the same should be true for the vote situation. You know what? We don't know all what's in the vote records. We don't know all what uh, has been covered up as votes leave the normal precinct areas and the normal county um, transparency areas and go up sometimes to foreign nations, foreign servers, sometimes to... Okay, we don't know all that yet. That's why we need to investigate. That's why we need discovery. That's why we need due process of law. But in the IRS case of Donald Trump, they don't have the goods, but they claim they need to, well, dig in so they can get the goods. Same thing with the, quote, Trump-Russia tie lie. Let me say that again, the Trump-Russia tie lie, right? Okay, they don't have the goods. They never did. And in that case, they dug in, dug in, dug in, and came back empty-handed. But when it comes to election fraud, they're saying you don't even have the right to look into this. Uh, you're somehow a conspiracy theorist. You're somehow making these allegations without evidence. It's already proven to be completely bogus. How can they say that when the discovery phase, right, when the subpoena power, when the investigative phase, when the due process of law has not even happened yet because they're dishonest? Anyway, the whole circle around is what's so important about the Capitol? Why is it? Uh, a much more sacred place than your neighborhood, ladies and gentlemen. And that's the exact point that needs to be made. It isn't. And so is it wrong to destroy property? Absolutely. Is it wrong to commit violence? Absolutely. If you truly have insurrectionist views in your heart and in your mind, and you're doing your best to carry that out, you should be stopped and prosecuted. But the majority of the people at the Capitol had well, 
they were well within their rights and they had complete a complete peaceful desire to get to the truth and to look into vote fraud. And that got completely shut down and obliterated. And that's how you kind of know there's some problems uh, here. Why did we jettison the whole narrative of looking into vote fraud over this? No one's even talking about it now. It's not even on the table now uh, for most. How did they get out of that one? Well, all you got to do is get a few people to go violent, blame it on everybody else, shut down the discussions, and move along. Nothing to see here, gentlemen. Move along. Okay, that is a dishonest lie, and you know that it's a lie. So a false flag, really, in my opinion, at the Capitol. Uh, the masses were betrayed who had peaceful, good intentions by the few. And now it's, it's hey, all bets are off. We're not going to even really look into vote fraud. And that's the most disappointing thing about this. Why did we get juked and so easily uh, deflected from our target? Huh? We never really debated, debated the vote fraud. We never really got the chance to drag out the evidence in the courts or before Congress. None of those opportunities really came to fruition. The court simply said, you don't have standing or we're not going to judge the case on its merits. We're going to throw them all out. By the way, um, there's no evidence, they claim. And then when we try to go to the Congress, then this insurrection false flag occurs by the few to betray the many. And now we're not even talking about it in Congress either. What a shame. By the way, flashback Anthony Fauci whacked out as he is giving absolutely dishonest advice everywhere he goes. He should be fired. Trump should have fired him, but Trump didn't have the guts. Now Biden hopefully will fire him, but time will tell. But flashback Fauci described Ebola quarantines as draconian, warns of unintended consequences back in 2014. So the bottom line is Fauci's lost all credibility. It's the problem, folks. Sad to say, but true, true story. Central planning of your immune system is dangerous, writes Davis Taylor. Mandated vaccinations constitute, quote, state planning of our immune systems, he says. And they're as harmful to our bodies, to ourselves, as economic central planning is to our society. Great point. They go on and talk about manufacturers of vaccinations are shielded from liability under the, quote, National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, NVICP, meaning you can't sue them. Taxpayers have to pay for the damages. The companies that make the vaccines are off the hook. They did this. This is unprecedented. There's no other industry like this where there's no accountability whatsoever, really. And why are the manufacturers shielded from liability? Because vaccines aren't safe and aren't effective. When they get sued over and over and over and over, they can't handle it. They'll go out of business. So the government put this in place where the taxpayers will take the heat. The vaccine companies can create their products without any accountability, without any real oversight. To date, if you don't believe me, ladies and gentlemen, over $4 billion. I said billion with a B. $4 billion has been paid out by the taxpayers for harm caused by vaccines. That was our one yesterday at Liberty Roundtable Live. Sorry for the sidetrack. I think it was worth the discussion, though. Hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live. I am Sam Bushman. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? 
Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, why if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's gonna do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. We're in the middle of the breakdown of yesterday's broadcast. Imagine it taking so long. Sorry, I digress a little bit. In in my delivery, ladies and gentlemen. Second hour, we had Dr. Scott Bradley with us to preserve the nation. His collegiate series, books, videos, stand and deliver presentations on the Constitution, homeschool series, and more. To preserve the nation. It's all available at freedomsrisingsun.com. That is his website where he has weekly webinars, Q&As on the Constitution, and more. Check it out. He also joins us Mondays and Fridays on your radio. Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com. And in 2017, under President Donald Trump, the Department of Justice declared Operation Choke Point formally over. And at the end of Donald Trump's term, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency established fair access rules to create or solidify the demise of Operation Choke Point. So Trump tried to shut it down is the point you need to know. But ladies and gentlemen, Biden resurrecting an Obama policy of killing businesses with rules. You see, Eric Holder back in the... Um, Obama administration created what's called Operation Choke Point 1.0. All right, Operation Choke Point literally targeted industries that the left hates. Bob Unra, WND.com is where the article is. But anyway, so you had Choke Point 1.0 under Barack Obama. Then Trump tried to get rid of it. 
And then you had opera you have now Operation Choke Point 2.0 being resurrected by Joe Biden himself. Okay, under Operation Choke Point, ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand that federal regulators instructed banks to discriminate against entire industries that the Obama administration, now the Biden administration, finds objectionable. All right, Operation Choke Point, the problem with it, ladies and gentlemen, is that it bypasses public input and the legislative process, leaving politically unpopular individuals defenseless, left to defend for themselves. All right, the problem with Operation Choke Point, ladies and gentlemen, is it's criminal. What it says is if you're a gun manufacturer, if you're a gun store, a gun dealer, if you deal um, in loans that are high-risk loans or whatever else, then we're going to shut your businesses down. We're going to say your, your company is too high-risk. Okay, but it's absolutely a lie because they point to these vague, too high-risk areas, and then they really point to cooperating with government. Let me give you an example. They're pointing at talk show hosts, Dennis Prager, Sam Bushman, James Edwards, Alex Jones. I could go on and on and on and on, but they're literally attacking us relentlessly under this operation choke point. So let me give you an example. The Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association had, I can't remember if it was 2012 or 2014, but it was under the Barack administration. And we were going to have a conference. And the conferences are very expensive. We pay for hotels for a lot of sheriffs. We raise a lot of money. By the way, if you want to donate, CSPOA.org. Donate liberally. We're having a conference coming up at the end of this week. I'll be there live. CSPOA.org to learn more and to attend. That's the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. CSPOA.org. Anyway, and so we were going to have our conference, and we had PayPal. And there were a lot of people signing up. I mean, every day you'd get, you know, 20, 30, 40 signups. Uh, and we were right on the cusp of having our event. PayPal chopped off our funds. And they basically said, because you violated the terms of our agreement. And we're like, what? Well, how do we violate the terms? They were vague. Anyway, long story short, we had an angel investor jump in and give us the money that we were missing because we couldn't charge credit cards and uh, save our conference. Thank heavens to the angel investor. I don't know that they want to be mentioned, so I'm not going to say their name. They know who they are and we're so grateful for them, but I don't want to mention them because I don't want to add heat. Does that make sense? I don't want to add heat. I know the FBI and the CIA and all these government bureaucrats listen to our radio program. Uh, they ask, you know, how do we get a copy or we need to record it ourselves. And I say, no need, just download it from libertyroundtable.com or lovingliberty.net. We make it all available. We have nothing to hide. Nevertheless, um, so this angel investor saved our bacon and allowed us to carry out our conference without PayPal. We eventually threatened to sue PayPal, and they eventually turned back on uh, our service. We haven't had a problem since in that venue, which I'm grateful for. However, I bring this up to say that was Operation Choke Point 1.0, and I didn't really realize that it had a formal name. I didn't really realize that it came straight from our government. Uh, until this article in WND.com by Bob Unra, who talks about Operation Choke Point 1.0 under the Barack Obama administration and Joe Biden, how it was basically Donald Trump tried to get rid of it. <clears throat> now it's being brought back as Operation Choke Point 
2.0 under Biden and Kamala Harris right now. Here's the problem. The first time a few of us got attacked and shut down and they kind of backed away when a lot of us pushed. Some people have been shut down permanently. And the details about the shutdown are interesting. And they don't make a lot of sense until you understand the whole program. So when we first got shut down and we pushed back, we didn't really understand the vagary. Is that a word? Anyway, the vagueness of uh, the shutdown. Because it was like, what do you mean we violate your terms of agreement? We didn't understand because we really didn't violate any terms of the agreement at all. Okay? But when you understand Operation Choke Point, and when Bob Unra lays out the details, and when, they, when you realize they're bringing the program back, you begin to understand what's going on. Now you say, well, Sam, it's only the racists that are getting shut down, or it's only the, uh, you know, insurrectionists or whatever. And so, but it isn't true, folks. It, that's a lie. Okay? I've never been a racist. I'm not an insurrectionist. Uh, the Constitutional Sheriff's and Peace Officers Association is not an anti-government organization. In fact, we believe in the county sheriff. And we believe that elected official needs training and guidance and support. Some say, well, you believe the sheriff is the like a kingmaker in his own county and nobody can touch the sheriff. He's above the... We don't believe any of those things at all. You're lying. Come to our conference, ladies and gentlemen, cspoa.org, and find out what we really believe. We believe the sheriff does have tremendous power and is the chief executive in a given county. We do believe there are checks and balances to the sheriff's power, folks. I'm the one that talks about checks and balances more than anyone you know. Who daily refers to checks and balances multiple times? Who daily tells you this is the greatest country on the face of the earth? Who tells you daily we stand for the proper role of government? Okay, I'm not anti-government. That's a lie. And I don't believe the sheriff is above reproach or above the law. He just has tremendous jurisdictional authority to stop out-of-control people who would violate the law. See, that's all. He has tremendous power to put in check those who would violate the law. And that includes other government officials, by the way. That's where they don't like it when we say that. They want you to believe the federal government has absolute power. See, that's a lie, too. The truth is there's checks and balances. So the sheriff has tremendous power. And if you don't believe me, how come Richard Mack and Bill Clinton literally went to war. And Richard Mack was told, you will do this, you will do that, you will do this, you will do that. That was the federal government of the county sheriff. And the sheriff said, no, I won't. And then the president of the United States said, Sheriff Richard Mack, if you don't do what I tell you, I will have you arrested. And Sheriff Richard Mack said, no, you won't. There are jurisdictional boundaries here. As I read the supreme law of the land, you don't have authority to do that, sheriff or president said the sheriff. President, you don't have authority to do that. So Richard Mack went to court. They went all the way to the Supreme Court. Imagine that. Sheriffs getting a venue all the way to the Supreme Court. And in the Supreme Court decision, Bill Clinton was handed his head. Not literally, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go violent. Virtually speaking, in the courts, the majority decision led by Anthony Scalia said, hey, there are dual sovereigns here, and the federal government has no authority to force, to mandate, to dictate terms that must be carried out by the states and the local municipalities. There is no authority. And so Richard Mack won that case. Now, they try to dismiss this case and say, oh, that was a very unique situation. No, it was a very core discussion because it was over our right to keep and bear arms, Second Amendment discussions. And uh, it was a very clear Tenth Amendment 
states' rights case and the mainstream press, attorneys, government officials seem to ignore this case. But look, we're not saying that the sheriff has 100% power. We never said such a thing. But we are saying he has more power than you think. And most sheriffs didn't agree with Richard Mack. And most people said, Richard Mack, you're going to get crushed by the feds. But as I've always said on your radio, good things happen when patriots stand up. All that we need is for evil to prosper is for good men to do nothing. But when good men and women stand up for the sacred cause of liberty, great things happen so many times it's shocking and wonderful. And this is Liberty Roundtable Live. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. California Attorney General Javier Becerra has confirmation hearings this week to be the next Secretary of Health and Human Services. Becerra will face the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee on Tuesday and the Senate Finance Committee on Wednesday. Critics are saying he's literally the least qualified nominee in the history of the agency. No experience in health, no experience in managing something of this size. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is on trial and faces bribery, breach of trust, and fraud in connection with a series of alleged corruption scandals. The testimony phase of the trial won't begin until after Israel's March 23rd elections. New York State Police are reporting a soon-to-be dad was killed Sunday in Liberty, New York, after the device he was constructing for an upcoming gender reveal party exploded. The blast occurred at a home, killing 28-year-old Christopher Peckney and injuring his brother. Liberty is located about 100 miles northwest of New York City. This is USA Radio News. It may soon be the biggest issue of our time, the NRA and your gun freedoms. President Biden says he will defeat the NRA and their efforts to limit your guns, tax them, and even put the NRA out of business permanently. All this week, Newsmax TV's Stinchfield tells the real story about Joe Biden's war on the NRA. Watch Stinchfield at 8 p.m. Eastern to find out how the NRA is fighting back. Stinchfield is unafraid to tell you the truth. Everyone is tuning in. Newsmax TV is now the fourth highest rated cable news channel. It's on all major cable systems. Check your cable guide. If they don't carry Newsmax, call them. Or just download the free Newsmax app on your smartphone or smart TV and watch us anywhere. So watch Newsmax for Stinchfield and real news you can trust. 30 million Americans watch Newsmax all the time. You should, too. Let's get a stimulus update with Phoenix, USA Radio News Bureau's Tim Berg. The $1.9 trillion coronavirus rescue package proposed by House Democrats would increase the cost of living for many and kill jobs. That's according to the leading Republican on the House Budget Committee, Jason Smith. Meanwhile, Democrat from Pennsylvania, Matt Cartwright of the House Appropriations Committee, says we need to come together as a country and as a Congress to vote for this bill. Let's come together as Republicans and Democrats and get it done. I, I totally agree with, with uh, President Biden. I, I'd really like to see Republican buy-in on this. Louisiana Republican Congressman Steve Scalise is no fan of the stimulus bill. The $15 minimum wage, what does that have to do with COVID relief? Those small businesses are going to have an even harder time coming back when you go to a $15 minimum wage. Uh, these things have nothing to do with COVID. Scalise speaking there on Fox News. Thanks for listening. We are USA Radio News. 
promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. All right, that was a recap of yesterday's broadcast. Still available at libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net. Spread the word, tell your neighbor. Live and on demand radio free at your fingertips. Brought to you in part by Raw Honey, delivered directly to your door. To learn more, get a hold of Kurt, C U R T, at libertyroundtable.com. That's Kurt at libertyroundtable.com. Or give Kurt a call. You can call him or text him on this number, 801 669 2211. That's 801 669 2211. And tell him Sam sent you raw honey delivered directly to your door, baby. Localhoneyman.com is the website. Should you like the web channel for contact, localhoneyman.com. All right, um, so news that I refuse to use starts now. And I want to talk about preparedness this second half hour. Headline that I got, news for patriots, e-alert. Mother Nature turns her winter fury on deep south. Amen to that. It says we're used to reading about winter storms in the plains, the Midwest, New England. They're so frequent, sometimes we even tire about hearing them. But when the winter storm slams the deep south, everyone takes notice. That's what occurred last week in Texas and in many other states. Historic winter storm Uri is what they're calling it. Packed a big punch. At least 70 people in the U.S. and Mexico died, and many were hospitalized. They say more than 9.7 million homes and businesses lost electrical, electrical power. All to frigid, record-breaking temperatures. And a killer storm featuring snow and ice across the south. In February 15th, for example, it was colder in Houston, Texas than it was in Houston, Alaska. Why? Wow, I didn't know there was a Houston, Alaska. Oklahoma experienced its coldest since 1899. Now, they also talk about carbon monoxide poisonings that occurred. I guess this name is Dan Wood. He's senior director of the system operations at the Electrical Reliability Council of Texas. And he said that this event was well beyond the design parameters for a typical or even for an extreme Texas winter than you would normally plan for. In other words, he's just saying it's way worse. Among those died who died during the, quote, storm called Yuri, were two adults and a child who suffered carbon monoxide poisoning. Sometimes people bring uh, barbecues into their homes to try to cook. They say more than 300 calls were received by Texas fire marshals. And I guess people use charcoal grills inside their homes. They called it a disaster within a disaster. Some people use generators in their homes. And they say this is a public health disaster within a public health emergency. All right. One fire department tweeted out this. Please remember to never run a generator or a grill inside your home. These devices produce carbon monoxide, which is a, uh, let's see what they say here, deadly, colorless, and odorless gas. 
Texas officials were frantically spreading the word about the problem. We have to get the message out. People are dying. We're losing family members to carbon monoxide poisoning. Water pipes freeze and burst. That's the next disaster that happened. As some Texans entered their third day without power, water pipes were freezing and bursting. In Houston, they say, icicles were hanging from kitchen faucets. Ambulances in San Antonio were unable to meet the demand. In Galveston, they expected to find bodies in homes where there was no power. And as of February 17th, I know this was days ago, but snow and sleet were still falling. And another storm was expected to strike the area. More than 170 million Americans in the United States were dealing with some kind of winter weather-related alert. Even warming centers, folks, were closed. On February 14th, Texas established a winter peak demand for electricity because temperatures fell into the single digits. In Houston, believe it or not, warming centers were forced to close because they lost power. Walmart closed more than 350 stores across Texas and surrounding areas because the temperature drops increased demand for electricity. The cold was so extreme that it prevented natural gas from being delivered. That's why a lot of people lost electricity. U.S. Representative um, I guess this representative from Texas, he's a native. Um, Let's see here. The power grid was minutes from completely failing. If it had completely failed, it would have been down for months. Rolling brownouts and rolling power outages are what saved the system from complete destruction. The state or the weather, I'm sorry, the storms moved east to Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Alabama. They were hit hard as well, they say. More than 109,000 people lost power in Louisiana, for example. Over 60,000 in Mississippi experienced blackouts. People in Kansas were urged to conserve energy as a state of emergency disaster was declared. Oklahoma said unprecedented demand for electricity was straining the state's electrical grid and natural gas infrastructure. The storm even caused damage and injuries in Georgia and Florida. It was so extreme. Believe it or not, power outages were experienced in 15 states, including North Carolina, Kentucky, and Virginia. Plus Virginia, Tennessee, Indiana, and Ohio. Road travel was hazardous, folks. Accidents in icy roads led to Interstate 10 being completely shut down. That's between Baton Rouge and Lafayette, Indiana, or, or Louisiana, I'm sorry, Lafayette, Louisiana. Nearly every major road was closed in both directions in Louisiana. Icy roadways were serious, serious problems. There were numerous accidents, including a 14-vehicle pileup, including a jackknife trailer. 
In Mississippi, ice was reported on roads and bridges in, what they say? 66 counties. Okay? There's all kinds of blockages and pileups due to cars going off the roads. In Alabama, there was a 20-car pileup that blocked traffic in both directions on U.S. Highway 231. Houston police were trying to deal with crashes everywhere. All right. Colorado City, Texas, got an additional rude awakening. Some say they expected the government to probably take care of them at all times. Okay. Power was lost. Arctic air swept in. Anyway, people are voicing their concerns in a, a Facebook groups. They say this might have been an exception, but the fact is tax dollars don't help when it's an emergency like this. No one is immune, folks. When you have this extreme weather, the deep south getting crushed by cold temperatures and more, and winter storms, no one's amused. Power outages, no one's immune. Power outages happen. It's important to have a backup power source. Now, I I give you that whole write-up because for Patriots, News for Patriots really wrote up a great article kind of articulating what happened. And this is really sad. This is a horrible thing that happened, ladies and gentlemen. And you can blame it on a harp and say the government created it and they weaponized the weather and that it's uh, man-made or man-created or man-engineered. May or may not be true in its conspiracy land. I do believe harp's real. Whether harp was used in this case and whether it has the ability to um, manipulate the weather to that degree, that precisely, uh, and to do so, quote, untraceably, I don't know. Okay, I'm not really a scientist, and, you know, I do believe there's truth. I used to interview Dr. Nick Begich back in the day, and he documented harp pretty well, wrote books about it and everything. Alaska native. Uh, and, and so there's concerns, but whether it's man-made, whether God uses the weather to punish the people, um, I don't know. Here's what I do know. It's important that we all learn to prepare. Okay? Now, Texas, by the way, is on its own power grid. Did you know that? The country, that's the United States, is divided into three grids. I'll break that down for you in seconds on the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live, ladies and gentlemen. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? 
To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The strategy of heaven revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Texas is on its own power grid, okay? And they've always taken pride in the independence of Texas and that they're on their own power grid. And, well, now when it failed, everybody can't point the finger at somebody else fast enough, right? But Texas is on its own power grid. The United States, by the way, the country is divided into three grids. One covers the eastern United States. Another, the western states. And the third is the Texas grid. Which covers nearly the entire state of Texas. Now, the Texas grid is called ERCOT. E-R-C-O-T, ERCOT, and it's run by an agency of the same name, ERCOT, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. That's where ERCOT comes from or whatever. Now, ERCOT was found back in 1970 in the wake of a major blackout in the Northeast that took place in November 1965. And the idea was that Texas wanted to be on its own, and their goal, they were tasks, tasked with the responsibility to manage grid reliability according to, quote, national standards at the time. However, the IRCUT grid of Texas has a jurisdiction beyond the authority of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. All right, that's interesting to kind of know. The result, they say, is an electrical island in the United States. Wow. Said Bill Magnus. He's CEO of ERCUT. He said that in an interview with USA Today. That independence, by the way, has been jealously guarded by the Texans, both by policymakers and the industry. <laughs> Wow. ERCOT manages about 90% of the state's power for Texans' 26 million customers. Now we talk about a power grid failure. The state has a generating capacity of about 67,000 megawatts in the winter compared to the peak capacity of about 86,000 megawatts in the summer 
You say, well, why can they produce more in the summer than the winter? Because usually what happens is in the winter, a lot of these power grids use the time for maintenance. And so they take off certain, um, I don't know what you call it, power generating stations or whatever else to do maintenance on them and such like that. But planning for this winter, officials didn't imagine temperatures cold enough to freeze natural gas lines and stop wind turbines from spinning. They didn't expect that. Every one of our sources of power supply underperformed. So what guys like me would say is because they're relying on these new energies, it failed easier than if they had stable rock-solid coal plants. And we're right about that fact, although they won't admit it. What they say is, oh, you're wrong. All the sources failed. Yeah, but coal failed because you turned off the power plants. Coal failed because you didn't use them and you didn't have coal ready to go. They say every one of our sources of power underperformed. Every one of them is vulnerable to extreme weather and climate events. None of them were winterized enough for this kind of extreme temperatures, right? Well, anyway, that's the story about Texas, a little bit about why it is and how it is and stuff like that. Now, would they have been better if we had one big massive grid? No, I don't think so. I think what might have happened is that uh, it might have affected even more than it did. Um, you would say, well, Sam, they could have rushed power from other places. They could have. But they also could have triggered a downing of the power system. Remember, the bigger it gets, it's always interconnected, Okay. And when the power grid is completely interconnected, what it means is, yes, you can isolate regions and stuff like that. You can turn off um, certain sections and stuff. But you can also have certain sections send power surges or shortages or do different things that can take out the whole thing. So, yes, you can rush power different places with a single grid, but you can also have that rush problems across the interconnected reality, too, and cause problems. I don't personally believe in huge power grids. But nevertheless, there you go. But folks, I want you to realize something that's important to understand. There is an article written by PatriotRising.com, which I think is really, really good. I don't know the Patriot Rising people, so I'm not endorsing them because I don't know them. I'm not downing them or saying that you can't trust them either. I'm just saying I don't know them. So I don't really know how to put a handle on it. But I did read an article they wrote that was so good. I want to share it with you. The headline says, quote, the temporary collapse of Texas is a foreshadowing. The total collapse of the United States, PatriotRising.com. Let me say this headline again. The temporary collapse of Texas is a foreshadowing of the total collapse of the United States. And they say we're getting a very short preview of what will eventually happen to the United States as a whole. America's infrastructure is aging and crumbling. Our power grids were never intended to support so many people demanding so much power. Our water systems are a complete joke. And you know what? Texas is a failed state. If it can't handle even a single weather outage like that, things are going to get chaotic in this country. Remember, they weren't down for weeks. They were just down for a couple of days. When this ice thing only happened for a few days, right? At this point, it has become clear 
that the power grid in Texas is in far worse shape than everyone ever imagined. When extreme cold hit the state, demand for energy surged big time. And the turbines and the new energy sources simply could not handle the demand. Millions of Texans were without power for days and hundreds of thousands are still out of power as we write this article, they say. And now we are learning that Texas was just moments away from a catastrophic failure that could have resulted in blackouts for months, they say. Texas's power grid was seconds, minutes away from a catastrophic failure that could have left the grid down for months, they say. As millions of customers throughout the state got power restored, officials with the Electrical Reliability Council of Texas said Texas was dangerously close to a worst-case scenario. I can't even imagine how nightmarish things would have become in Texas if there actually would have been blackouts for months. According to one expert, the state was really right on the brink, right on the worst-case scenario reality. The worst-case scenario, demand for power output strips the supply of power generation capabilities on the grid, causing equipments or equipment to catch fire, substations to blow and power lines to go down. If the grid had gone totally offline, the physical damage to power infrastructure from overwhelming the grid could have taken months to repair, said Bernadette Johnson. She's the senior vice president of power and renewables at, um, at Enverus and oil and gas. It's a software and information company headquartered in Austin, Texas. For years, I've been telling my readers, says this author. And this author, by the way, is with PatriotRising.com. For years, I've been telling my readers that they have got to have a backup plan for power. Because during a major emergency, the grid could absolutely fail. Boy, howdy, have we seen that, huh? And when it fails, it can literally cost some people their lives. I was deeply saddened when I learned that one man actually froze in Texas sitting in his own recliner. As Texas suffered through days of power outages, a man reportedly froze to death in his recliner with his wife clinging to him for life, but died too. The man was found dead in his home. Most Americans don't realize that the rest of the world actually has much better power infrastructure than we do in America. Just check out the numbers to see what we're talking about. In Japan, the average home sees only four minutes of power outages per year in the American Midwest. The figure is 92 minutes per year and in the Northeast. 
is 214 minutes. That's just regular outages, nothing caused by extreme weather or fires or anything else. As our population has grown and as our infrastructure has aged, performance has become worse and worse. In fact, things ran better in the 1980s. Imagine that. Why, you say? Because we didn't have near the aging of our systems as we have now. We didn't have near the demand that we have now. According to an analysis by Climate Central, major outages affecting more than 50,000 homes of businesses grew more than 10 times more common from the 1980s to 2012. I know it's a little bit old data even then, right? From 2003 to 2012, weather-related outages doubled in a 2017 report. The American Society of Civil Engineers reported that there were 3,571 total outages in 2015, lasting 49 minutes on average. The U.S. Energy Administration reports that in 2016, the average utility customer had 1.3 power interruptions and their total blackout time averaged four hours. Okay? America is literally crumbling all around us and it's getting worse with each passing year. Our water systems are a whole nother example, ladies and gentlemen. The reason I bring all this up is not to be negative, but to give you guys an understanding of where we are. What do you need to do about it? You need to prepare to, one, live without power. Two, live with less power. Learn what takes power and what doesn't and what can be easily supported and what can't. Right? Ladies and gentlemen, there's ways to handle this. we got to get together as a people, and we've got to prepare our prayers are with the American people that we can turn to God and then do our very best and somehow we'll meet in the middle, huh? Repentance is key to solutions, ladies and gentlemen. Make no mistake about that reality. And then getting on our knees and praying for God's guidance and getting up and going to work. Those are the answers. Simple, maybe so. Oversimplification? Possibly. But they are the answers. God save the republic. Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio, hard-hitting news that was refused to use. No doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for February the twenty-third in the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty-one. Hour two. Our goal to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country. On your radio, our goal to protect life, liberty, and property. Wow. Have we got a road to hoe when it comes to that? Ladies and gentlemen, last hour we broke down the previous day's broadcast, and then we jumped in to this News for Patriots alert. Mother Nature turns her winter fury on the south when storms come to the northeast or something. Nobody bats an eye. In fact, we're sick of hearing about it. But when it comes to the deep south, it's brutal indeed. 
We talked about the U.S. is divided into three general power grids. One covers the eastern United States, the other one, the western states, and the third one is the Texas grid. The Texas grid covers primarily the complete state of Texas. The Texas grid is called ERCUT. Yeah. And it's ran by an agency of the same name, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, ERCUT, if you will. And uh, it's basically an electrical island in the middle of America. It's on its own. And it was created back in 1970 because in 1965 they had a massive storm and they said, this will never happen to us again. Oh, but voila, fast forward to 2020, it did. 2021, I should say. All right, but the temporary collapse of Texas, ladies and gentlemen, is foreshadowing the total collapse of the United States. PatriotRising.com is that article. We talked about it in detail last hour. I broke down about how bad it is and how crumbling our systems really are and how old and ancient. In fact, in other countries, they have way better electrical capabilities and systems that we do than we do. Many of them have leapfrogged us in terms of technology and our systems are aging and crumbling and our demand for power has never been greater. And, uh, you know, we got a serious problem on our hands. Now, thus, we don't go negative. We can turn to God. Repentance is one of the great keys. I know you think it's not related, but it is. Um, just ask Noah for the Bible if you don't believe me. Anyway, I digress. Jim Clymer, well-known constitutional attorney, one of the leaders of the Constitution Party, the Party of Integrity, Liberty, and Prosperity, ConstitutionParty.com. Mr. Jim Clymer, welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Hey, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, I want to discuss this uh, article that I've been talking about a little bit more. The electrical grid's melting down. But our water systems are another example of serious concern. In Texas, for example, the cold weather literally caused thousands of pipes to burst. The damage caused by all these ruined pipes are in the billions, with a B, billions of dollars. Right now we're being told the total of 797 water systems in the states are currently in trouble because of frozen pipes and damage done. Some 13.5 million people are facing water disruptions right now with over 790 plus systems melting down. About 725 systems are under a boil water advisory right now. Overall, approximately 7 million Texans live in areas that have been ordered to boil their water. And it could take months of service disruption and months for it to become normal again. Without water, none of us can survive long. And it's absolutely imperative that you have a backup plan when the system goes down. I didn't say if, did I? In Houston, people that are without water in their homes, have been enforced to line up at public spigots to get water. Meanwhile, in scenes reminiscent of a third world country, Houston residents filled up buckets and hauled them back to their homes. One Houston resident, whose power has just gone back on Thursday after only three days, but still has no water, said it's crazy. Most of us still don't have potable or drinking water. Folks, if your water system completely fails, you won't even have a public spigot for water. Shortages of food and other essential supplies 
are being reported in Texas. They say for many people, the system going down creates rapid need. In other words, the situation becomes desperate rapidly. Okay. They were struggling to stay warm and fed with water. Stores are out, if not closed. Okay. Food is thawing and being destroyed faster than people can get it distributed. The problem isn't that they won't even let people have the food. The problem is they had a hard time even distributing it. What would they have done if the blackouts had lasted for months, I ask you? All over the state, extremely long lines have been forming at local supermarkets. People have been hanging out, camping before the, because you might as well go outside. Your home won't do any good. It's colder in your house than outside many times, right? People are getting their hours before the stores even open. This is happening in communities across Texas. Anyway, they show uh, video of bread lines and stuff. They say those who prepared in advance didn't have to wait in such long lines. They already had at least some food. Sadly, the people who got to the stores early, well, they walked outside, the managers, before the store even opened, and they said, we're very low. We don't hardly have any food at all. We haven't had a delivery in over four days, the manager of the store said. Remember, this is just a temporary crisis in Texas that only lasted a couple of days. So what would happen is if a severe long-term reality occurred? Jim Clymer, I want to start there with you, my friend. Um, I know this sounds, when we read about it, worse than it probably is in many ways. Because it's, you know, um, this isn't happening all across the state to everybody. Certain people don't have food and stuff like that. It's bad for some, not for others. I get all that. and It's not as bad as it might sound as a whole. But remember, this is only a day or two or three that this even happened. If we had a real crisis, we'd be in serious trouble, Jim. Well, we would. No question about that. And unfortunately, when you have a crisis like that, that gives, uh, opens the door, gives the opportunity for government to seize more power, seize more of our liberties, and uh, deny us our liberties. And that's a scary, that's one of the scary things about it. The other is, and I know you have done this, I've known a lot of other people, um, especially in your church, that uh, your denomination that that have been promoting for years that people make preparation, that you, um, you know, take reasonable steps to prepare for a crisis, which will come at some point in time. And, of course, those who live in densely populated areas, in my view anyway, are more vulnerable uh, because you've got big masses of people all needing the same things. Now, I'm uh, I'm a country boy. I'm a country folk. And, you know, we've got uh, running spring behind our house. We have uh, have generators. I have We have food that's canned that we... Uh, that, that we have you know, jars and, of course, food is frozen, things like that. And uh, if we had to, we could survive for quite a while without uh, if the system broke down. But, you know, that's a lot more difficult if you're living in a, a densely populated area. You don't uh, 
you don't have a stream, you don't have a, a spring out back of the house that you can get water from. And uh, so, you know, I feel especially for those, they, they're the ones who need to store some, keep some bottled water stored in their in their basement or in their house somewhere and and as well as food and prepare for that type of thing. And then as you point out so well, this is only a few days. What would it be like if it extended into weeks or even months? And uh if it if it would go that long, there were very few of us that uh could could survive that uh it'd be mass hysteria but then remember too that this is uh this is an unusual event i mean this is uh, there there are different things that could cause a uh, panic like this or situation where there's a lot of hysteria and, and system breaking down uh this was caused by by nature by god by um you know it's a storm that was let me just insert here this is this is a terrible what the war, global warming will do to us but uh but here's a, here's an event that's really a naturally occurring event doesn't happen very often but it does happen and uh and we've got to be prepared for those things the more critical in my view situation would be where we have an EMP uh, strike or something which knocks out the grid, not just in Texas, but in the whole country, and where our computers don't work, our cars don't run, and uh, all those things, which uh, you know could very well happen. Ladies and, and gentlemen, Jim Clymer with me. The Party of Integrity, Liberty, and Prosperity, ConstitutionParty.com. What would happen... If a severe, long-term, national emergency, whatever that be, right, disrupted food, water, and power systems for months on end, all it took, ladies and gentlemen, to cause a short-term collapse scenario in the state of Texas was some cold weather. Eventually, must much worse things will happen in our nation, folks. And it has become clear that we are not ready. Get prepared while you still can, because time's running out in seconds on your radio. The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow men, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. 
Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I know a lot of us don't believe in global warming. Um, A lot of us have different views on this. There's an article out, a new poll. Trump supporters have the most divergent views uh, on global warming of anybody. Um, Now, the reason that I want to bring this up, though, is this. I don't care how you feel about climate change. If you believe it's real, if you believe it's fake, I happen to believe it's real. Okay, I believe that global warming and climate change is real. The part that I don't believe is that it's all the humanoids' fault and that humans are an enemy of the earth and that what we need is government dictates to solve the problems for us. Okay, so I don't believe humans are the enemy of the earth and I don't believe that government's going to solve the problems for us. I do believe climate change happens. Just ask Noah if you don't believe. All right. There was a massive flood, and I think the earth changed when the waters were on the earth. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. We do have hot and cold temperatures. We do have biblical reality of, you know what? God uses the weather to punish us, not because he hates us or he wants us to be punished, but because he wants to stir us up in remembrance of him. He wants us to realize how vulnerable and fragile we really are, and he wants us to turn to God. Turn to him, okay? Because that's where solutions are. Um, that's where Jim started to go with this. So we'll get into that uh, for a second. But I, I want to ma- mention, it doesn't matter if you believe in this global warming or not, or whether you think it's real or not. Really, you got to ask yourself, forget climate change for a minute. Forget the debate. Forget the political overtones. Forget the political divide. What would happen is if a severe long-term national emergency, whatever it be, Disrupted food, water, and power systems for months on end. All it took to cause this collapse or this problem was a couple of days of cold weather. Now, you could say, well, it was extremely cold, Sam. I agree. But do you think there can't be more extreme cold or more extreme heat or whatever else? There can be and there will be, Jim. Get prepared while you still can because times are running out is the point. That's exactly right. I uh, I fully agree with that, and I too believe in climate change. But it's by natural processes, not not what uh, humans is doing, as you already said. But yes, you know this is it's going it, to it's a given that it's going to happen at some point. There's going to be a time in most people's lifetime, and it could be well as we become more and more dependent as a society, as a country, on. Uh, technology on electronics and things of that nature the the greater the calamity when something hits like this 
you know, back uh, 150 years ago, it would not nearly have been so drastic, where people wouldn't have had to rely so much on, on um, well, even on on water supply. You know, it has a lot more natural water supply, whether it be from springs or whatever, and. People did more storing food just in the natural process of things, of canning and and drying uh, foods and, and having things on hand like that. But uh, as we become more and more industrialized, more and more dependent on, on um, technology, we are more vulnerable. And I couldn't say it any more strongly than what you said it yourself, that uh, we need to prepare while we have the opportunity because we never know when that opportunity may come to an end. All right, now, Jim, this is Solutions Radio, and I've painted a pretty dire picture of uh, how bad it is in Texas, uh, how bad it can get in America, and I don't do it to be negative. I do it to be real. All right, we teach the ideal, but we live in the real, okay? But I wrote a headline that I believe is Solutions Radio at its best. Here's the headline. Let's break it down and talk about it a little bit. Repent. Turn to God. Pray. Do all you can to get ready. Okay, I believe if we do those things, you know what? It's not a disaster. It's not a meltdown. Uh, these realities have been foretold biblically. We know they're going to happen. We know as the people as a whole turn away from God more and more and more retributions for um not acknowledging God, not turning to him will happen. That's the order of things. We've been taught that biblically. We know it's true. We know it's coming. We know it's reality. Now it's time to do what we can uh, to, uh, I don't know if I should say prevent, because I don't know that we could prevent prophecy, uh, but we can certainly make it more mild and we can certainly have God create miracles in our lives. And so if we repent, if we turn to God, if we pray, if we do all we can to get ready, um, like the 10 virgins in the Bible or whatever else, and have our lamp full of oil, so to speak. In my mind, that relates a lot to preparedness. We can uh, decrease the harshness of it. We can have God spare us and protect us from miracles. And I was at a constitutional sheriff's and peace officers conference uh, some years ago, and we literally had a tornado come straight at us. And we all prayed, and we literally had speakers speaking with the power out we had to run to the stairs for, uh, you know, the stairwell for safety at one point, etc. And in that whole event, this tornado literally jumped over our hotel and hit the next hotel over. <laughs> now, I'm not here to say that I was righteous and the hotel over with bad people. I'm not here to make any claims like that. I am here to say that God can spare us. And if we turn to God, he can protect us. He can heal our land. He can make the weather mild for our sakes. But it takes us turning to him. And so, you know, a lot of people would just say, Sam, you're in your God mode where you're, you know, you got this crutch. You believe in this unknown character. You know, say all you want, folks. But I'm telling you that I believe in miracles and I believe in God and I believe he can spare us. And I believe as these troubled times come, if we turn to him and then if we get up and do our part, Jim, I think that's the key to success. This is Solutions Radio, Jim. Well, you're right, and it's been said that you need, uh, we need, as human beings, we need, or as Christians, we, we need to do all we can on our power, but we have to, at the same time, trust God. And, you know, the reality is that God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want them to, or the way we think he should. But he's got his designs, and and we have to, to be trusting. 
And, uh, you know, I do believe in miracles, and I believe that God can can save us. But, of course, you know, then he may choose to not save us, as the case might be. But we need to do everything in our power to um, not that we lie, not that we rely on that. We we have to recognize that our reliance is on God at all times. But but uh, we need to do what we can and let the rest up to God. And that's why I say we can repent. We can rely on his promises. We can turn to him. We can trust in his word. Uh, we can do all those things. And I get that it may not be perfect. But I also get that, you know what? All we can do is what we have control over. And we don't have the ability to do much else, folks. So I think preparedness is good. I think being aware is good. I think acknowledging is good. Um, but I agree with Jim. You know what? After all that we can do, we just got to trust in God's mercy and grace. Jim? Yeah, I think, and, and I'll go further. I think it's our duty to do what we can. And, again, not put our hope and faith in that, but we, it's our duty to do what we can and to be prepared. And you know we've got we've got families we've got other people that we're responsible to that that we need to be prepared for not just for ourselves but for those who are under our purview or under those who are under our care and, and dependency and uh, you know that's that's our duty to be prepared for for all of them not just for ourselves stewardship leadership come to mind in this ladies and gentlemen we don't need to panic and melt down we don't need to just run around in fear we do need to have faith in the author of our liberty in our god and we can make a difference this is solutions radio is why we focus on these solutions and you may say well i'm not as religious as you are and my response to that is there's always time to get more religious to realize god's in charge let me give you an example john Kerry is the climate czar for joe biden and climate czar John Kerry said we have nine years left to avert a climate catastrophe and there's no room for BS. That, given the 2018 projection that we had 12 years left to avoid the catastrophe, three years later, we have nine years left. Now, you can say I don't believe in what they're saying, but you know what? I believe that the socialists and the communists if they have their way, um, will resort to either making climate change problems occur to stir us up and force us to take it seriously, or they'll be always prepared to never let a good crisis go to waste. If a natural disaster or, or, or God sees to use the weather, they will jump into that and take advantage of it for their tyrannical purposes. And that's why I say that it doesn't matter if you believe it's true or not. The fact is, even if natural disaster happens, they will take advantage of this. All right? They say a much faster transition to clean energy is necessary. There's no room for BS anymore. They joined, They rejoined the Paris Agreement, folks. This is not a joke. And whether you agree with it or not isn't the point. The fact is, we need to prepare. When we come back, we got a whole lot more. Jim Clymer, Sam Bushman, on your radio. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. You 
USA Radio News with Lance Pride. President Trump called the Supreme Court's recent decision to allow the release of his tax returns continued political persecution. The 45th president also asserted New York officials are distracting the public from the actual crime in the city, where violence has been reaching new record highs. The investigation into the engine failure of a Boeing 777 could take more than a year, officials said, but already the picture is becoming clear about what happened to the United Airlines flight on Saturday. The Pratt and Whitney engine failed minutes into United Airlines flight 328 headed from Colorado to Hawaii, leaving a mild debris in its wake. After the incident, United grounded all of its Boeing 777s. Investigators are looking into metal fatigue as the culprit. United States Air Force B-1B Lancers from Dias Air Force Base in Texas arrived in Norway on Monday as part of a training mission in Europe, marking the first time U.S. bombers have operated out of the Scandinavian country. This is USA Radio News. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. The product that you have given me here is, as far as I'm concerned, sent to me from heaven. I love it a great deal. It's hard to find anything that's real nowadays. I enjoy it immensely. It's making my life so much better. I feel so much better. And during this pandemic, I have no worries whatsoever. My immune system has got to be at a top-notch level. I don't seem to get colds or anything. I don't know what getting sick is anymore. This is so cool. Experience the balance of nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA. As expected, the price of gas will continue to rise. Texas, USA, Radio News Bureau's John Clemens has more. That price is 24 cents higher than a month ago. And according to Patrick DeHaan of GasBuddy.com, the price could be going even higher. Average gas prices will likely continue to rise some 5 to 15 cents a gallon over the next two weeks, so long as oil prices do not see additional gain. The increase of 13 cents a gallon is due to 12 refineries being shut down in Texas due to the snowstorm. Oil prices continue to put pressure on gasoline prices, but are holding near $60 a barrel for West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil. But average gas prices soared last week after refinery shutdowns in Texas impacted gasoline production. The cost of crude oil has played a major role in the increase. AAA also says growing crude prices will continue to rise, causing higher prices at the pump in February. We are USA Radio News. Jim Clymer with me, ladies and gentlemen, ConstitutionParty.com. We're talking about climate change. Whether you believe it or not isn't the point. The fact is you better prepare. They're predicting all kinds of disasters coming up. But you know what? The climate change folks know. They don't believe in God, but they know what God says. And they're taking advantage of it. God basically, you know what, if we turn against him, as we're doing in society, uh, you know what, he promises us, or you know, prophecies, are biblical that there will be natural disasters and problems. And whether they believe in God or not isn't the point. They will take advantage uh, of these things, whether it's man-made or God-ordained or created. or you know, I don't know. I think it's some of both, I'm sure. But get prepared while you still can because time is running out, ladies and gentlemen, is the point. This is Solutions Radio. Repent, turn to God. 
pray. Do all you can to get ready, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Climate Czar Joe Kerry. I'm sorry, Climate Czar John Kerry, working for Joe Biden. We have nine years left to avert a climate change catastrophe, and there's no room for BS left. All right? Now, uh, Jim, I want you to kind of respond to this. They're going to take advantage of it, even if they don't cause it. I don't know if they can cause it or not, if they can manipulate weather to this degree or not. I don't know. Some say they can. Some say they can't. I'm familiar with a lot of the technologies, and, and there are some evidence there, but you know, definitive details are hard to come by these days when it comes to this. But I will say this, they will not let a good crisis go to waste. And we know that the weather will get more extreme and more uh, volatile uh, as time goes on. And and so uh, I guess what I'm saying is whether you agree with John Kerry or not isn't even the point. The fact is it's a coming. I don't believe we have nine years and we're all going to be annihilated uh, by any means. But I do believe that it will get worse and we better acknowledge this reality and we better not rely on government for the solutions. We've got to do what we can within our own families, our own homes, with our own, I don't know what you want to say, with our own crew, with our own people, our neighbors. Our, we better look at this local as the point. Well, exactly right. And, and look, the fact is that um, climate, as we said before, climate change is real. Uh, throughout history, there have been times, there have been typhoons, there have been hurricanes, there have been tornadoes, there have been uh, natural disasters in the weather. And you know, we, we all accepted that as being unusual. I mean, you have records. You can go back and look at the weather records, and you see records that were set back in the early 1900s and 1800s, and uh, snowfalls that that broke all records back in the 1880s and things of that. I'm talking about our area here, so I don't know what it is for the rest of the country, but you see things like that. There's catastrophic storms have been around as long as mankind has existed. And uh, the question is what you do with them, how do you use them? And uh, I'd like to point out that the two tools, the two primary tools that tyrannical governments will use to deprive people of their life, liberty, and property are hunger and fear. And they'll use that whenever they, and, and you see that happening right now uh, with the pandemic, you know, fear with climate change, fear with, uh, uh, and, and, we haven't seen too much of deprivation of food, but food and water, I should say. But you can easily see how that could happen as well. And any opportunity they get to use that those two tools, food and fear, uh, they will to gain more power to themselves and deprive us of our liberties. So, I, you know, we have to be be aware of the motivation of the steps that they take whenever a so-called crisis comes up. And I actually, I, I shouldn't use the word so-called because I think the crisis is very real for the people living it in Texas. But, um, you know, coupled with that, I would say that there's, there's a, the more government gets involved in any crisis, the more people become dependent on government and the more people, the citizens, Look to government for solutions when everything anything happens. So you have a hurricane, you have a tornado, whatever, and the the mentality is 
that, well, the government needs to do something about this. And, uh, and there may be times that that's appropriate, but we have to be aware that whatever the government steps in to provide so-called help, uh, it is creating dependency on that government and, and enhancing the mentality for people to expect the government, to demand the government take action whenever a crisis comes. So, uh, but, but your point is well made. It doesn't matter whether you believe it's real or, uh, or not. The fact is it's going to happen. The crises are going to happen. The catastrophes are going to happen and, and so on. I personally don't think that uh, we have much effect as human beings on the, on the weather systems. And I've heard the stories, the same I'm sure you have, of uh, where they seed the clouds and they put things in the atmosphere to create violent storms and things like that. I'm not saying that can't happen. I'm just skeptical that that happens. Well, and we're not necessarily skeptical that they're trying it. We're skeptical about how much control they really have, right? Some people believe that they can literally create a storm anywhere they want. They can make it as violent as they want. They can take out anything they want. They can steer the hurricanes, and they can steer the tornadoes, and they can do all these things. And we're just not convinced that man is, well, they can't really even create a human body. So, you know, we're just saying that, hey, we, we give too much credit to man oftentimes, uh, and we ignore God's role in our lives and in our society. And I agree that, uh, you know, climate change has reality to it. I agree that um, it's a problem. Uh, what I find interesting in the news is they want to just divide the world and say, you know what? It's climate deniers or climate change. Um, I don't know what you want to say, embracers. And that if you're a denier, you don't want government or anybody to do anything ever. And if you're an embracer, you want government to do everything and solve all the problems for you. And they make this this binary discussion of, of, in my opinion, opposites that can never agree and can never work together and can never solve anything. And I believe that's the misnomer and that's the deception and, and, and the meltdown point. Uh, they're dishonest. Okay? Because I believe that climate change is real. Okay? I believe that there are, there are things that we can do to make a difference. Um, and I believe that, you know what? Most folks depending on how you ask the question, will agree with common sense. So let me say it this way. Do you believe that because you burp, Jim, that you're the cause of all the problems in the world and because of you on the planet, you're an enemy of the earth and, and therefore climate change is real? And see, now you're a denier. Because I've just, I've just dishonestly trapped you into this, wait a minute, um, you took something that I have, uh, that I believe there's a grain of truth in and that there's some, rea- and now you've manipulated into a bunch of, false premises that I disagree with completely, and now you've kind of trapped me in the discussion. On the other hand, if I say to you this way, do you believe that turmoil in the world is part of earth life and that God put us here and he loves us, but yet we're here to be tested? And yes, there will be difficulties in our lives and in the earth. and We need to work together to resolve them. Then you're going to say yes. Uh, and, of course. And, and, and so the problem is the way they're framing this whole debate this whole discussion they want to say if you're a conservative you're a climate change denier if you're a liberal you think it's true and the government needs to solve it for you see i believe neither of those realities are true i believe there is a climate problem 
I believe that we are not being good stewards of the earth, and therefore we're having all kinds of catastrophes. Denying God and turning our back on God and his laws are one of the cores. That doesn't mean I agree that we're an enemy of the earth. I don't think we're an enemy of the earth. In fact, I think God created the earth and he peopled the earth on purpose. And it's wisdom in God that he did so. And we, as God's children, have a stewardship, a responsibility, an obligation to live our lives according to his laws. And when we do, we're blessed. And when we don't, we lose those blessings. And I believe that we can be good stewards of the earth and we should clean up um, disasters that we've created. And we should live our lives in a way that would be to some degree in harmony with the earth. But when they want to cross the line and create earth worship, and that's God, and don't turn to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, see, then we get all off the rails in this this never, we can never work together scenario. Because they they frame the argument in a way that's not resolvable. We need to jettison their false narrative, Jim, and stand with the truth, which is we're on the earth, there's turmoil and tests in our lives. God put us here for a purpose. The earth is not our enemy, although we're not in a love affair with the earth either. Um, we realize the earth is God's creation, and so are we. And he's made us stewards over the earth, and we should take care of it to the best of our ability. And we can do this in harmony without destroying everything we hold dear. These things are possible if we intelligently work through this and have the great discussion America is known for. When we get back, I'll have Jim respond. But ladies and gentlemen, we've got to take a grip. We've got to get a grip on this, man. We've got to go and everywhere in TV and radio and everywhere we go articulate this in a way that brings people together for solutions that doesn't just divide us from the get-go. Their goal is divide because that's how they gain power. But if we stand together as Americans and say we can even agree to disagree agreeably, we can be kind to one another. But let's work on solutions, not on the divide, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, may I ask you, what is the KQ? You know, the kosher question. Most Americans will spend their entire lifetime purchasing food from the supermarkets while having no idea that almost every packaged food product on the grocery shelves is certified kosher. Indeed, the kosher question encompasses not only food and religion, but also affects our economics, politics, and our identity. In an effort to promote awareness to the kosher question, developers have published an app for your smartphone that features a database of food products that have not been kosher certified. The Koshertified app has prominent advertisement on TPC's homepage, or you can check out its website at thekosherquestion.com. With the cesspool of politics getting even deeper these days, why not leave the swamp and start eating in favor of your own interests? Check out thekosherquestion.com today and download the app. I reinstated a policy first put in place by President Ronald Reagan, the Mexico City policy. I strongly supported the House of Representatives' pain-capable bill, which would end painful late-term abortions nationwide. And I call upon the Senate to pass this important law and send it to my desk for signing. We are protecting the sanctity of life and the family as the foundation of our society. And most importantly of all, it is the gift of life itself. That is why we march, that is why we pray, and that is why we declare that America's future will be filled with goodness, peace, joy, dignity, and life 
for every child of God. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live, ladies and gentlemen. So I submit to you that climate change, the way they've framed it, is not real. Their assertions many times are not genuine and real. However, the fact is there are catastrophes happening. And when you're in Texas and you're freezing to death and you don't have any food, you don't have any water and everything else, it's not time to go. It ain't real. It's time to say, hey, man, I'm not. We're going to maybe diverge on the cause and what we believe the reality is to the situation, but it's real as all get out. And that's what we're trying to prepare you for. Jim Clymer, I want you to kind of speak to this. I think we need to jettison the current narrative and discuss this with a little bit of a different focus, uh, the focus of bringing people together, sir. Well, and I fully agree. We do need to bring people together and, and as you said, recognize that uh, – catastrophes are real when they hit you. You know, we too often feel removed from them. We think, well, that's somebody else's problem. And But when it uh, when it hits home, when it's with you, it's, it's as real as can be. You mentioned about uh, not worshiping the earth and so on, and I uh, concur completely with that. But the other worship that we see is of man. And we we have the idea that man can solve all the problems that man is place man in the uh, really as God and thinking that mankind is able to to figure everything out and to assume everything. We have to recognize that that's just not the case. You know, we, there, there's a God in heaven that uh, is in control, and man is limited on what what the mankind can do to to solve problems, especially when you're talking about uh, weather-related catastrophes and uh, storms and earthquakes and things like that. There, we're, we're just limited in what we can do. But we as individuals can and should, as we said before, we have a duty to prepare for the um, for the times uh, the, the things that will come over time and uh, you know let's go to the anti-sluggard and consider his ways and be wise and uh, you know prepare for the future we've got all kinds of admonitions like that um, one other thing I'd like to point out too before I forget it and that is the hypocrisy of many of those who talk about um being, I won't say good stewards, because we believe in being good stewards. I've always believed that. I believe, always believed in living frugally and 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 respectfully and, and being a caretaker of the resources that, that we've been given on the earth. But uh, talk about the, the hypocrisy of those who uh, want to use the whole climate change thing as a means of of well for ulterior motive with ulterior motives and and you have um <laughs> i mean you've all heard the stories about al gore and and uh Hollywood stars and so on who while telling the dangers of of uh, fossil fuels and what it's gonna do to the earth and to the climate, and yet they 
fly around in their private jets, jets and and uh, are some of the biggest contributors to it themselves. But it's just like it's for everybody else, not for them. And uh, and then on a much smaller level, there's a more local level. I see people like that who have too much trouble to do simple things like uh, recycling aluminum cans and plastic bottles and throwing plastic bottles around everywhere. You know, that's it's just not the sort of thing that that on a very local and personal level that that I do. I like to use the common sense things that you can do to uh, again live frugally to um, do what you can in your own little corner to be a a steward of the of the uh, of the earth and of the uh, blessings that we've been given and to treat them wisely. So, um, yeah, I, I think we need to call attention to the hypocrisy that we see and the double standard that so many carry on. And we really need to have, be we need to be civil. Okay, I believe in civility. In fact, we're building a website called A Call for Civility. Okay, because I believe it's so critical right now that we have civility. But we need to also reject the narrative that's being positioned, which is, Jim, you're an enemy of the earth. You're a conservative. You're a global warming denier. And you, my friend, are the cause of all of our woes. In fact, we might need to put you in jail for your denial of the truth. Uh, You're leading people astray. You're... okay. We need to stop that narrative. We also need to stop the narrative that we say, hey, all these green climate change people are so whacked out they can't see straight. Now, both sides may believe some of those things, but we need to, 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 to back off on the rhetoric, and we need to find ways that we agree. We agree that we must prepare our individu- as individuals and as families for what's to come, a little bit of food, a little bit of um, you know, blankets and warmth, a little bit of fuel, a little bit of preparedness, a little bit of, is good for us all. We need to start there. Secondly, we can make common sense changes uh, that can decrease our um, disrespect for the earth. That doesn't mean we worship it, but we can go far enough to say, hey, we should be good stewards. Somebody needs to create almost a um, a discussion about how we can work together on this with these bullet points. You know, we can back away from the, the extreme rhetoric on either side. We can get together and say, you know what, we all agree we need to prepare. We all agree we need to have a little bit of food on hand. We all agree we need to do some things in case we don't have warmth. We all agree we need to do things to, to have a little bit of uh, power to keep our cell phones charged. We can agree on these things. And I think the more we can put bullet points of agreement that we can focus on, the more this debate can actually be productive, Jim. Well, I agree. I agree. We 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 do. I do believe in civility. I believe in respect for other people and and differing viewpoints. And we need to have keep a dialogue open where we can discuss um, civilly why we take the positions that we do. And no, I don't like to be cast into any particular mold and just say because I'm a conservative that I'm a, a climate denier or whatever. I think a lot of it is terminology and and you know how you I mean, just like 
the term climate change as opposed to climate uh, global warming. You know, of course, they used to always say global warming and realize that that wasn't selling too well, so they changed it to to climate change, which is something we can find areas of agreement with because there is, as you said several times here in this interview show, that uh, that there is climate change. We can't we can't deny that. It's just uh, the question of we have to ask is what causes it? Is it something that we have control over? To what extent? If we have if we have some control, to what extent do we have control? But, and not uh, only to what extent do we have control, but what can we as a group do about it, even despite our different beliefs? Right? Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't matter if you yeah. and I believe exactly the same on it or not. That isn't the point. The point is, what can we do together, regardless of our differences? Yeah, exactly. And and uh, but we need to also point out the fallacies where they exist as well. But it can be done, and it, it, a lot of times it's the manner in which it's done, and where um, where we can point out the facts that. Uh, well, just example, one thing that, of course, that became obvious with this Texas situation is that uh, total reliance on renewable energy um, is a fallacy. It it doesn't work. The windmills weren't working. The windmills froze up. Uh, oh, that's even though I forget the numbers, but I think it was something like. Uh, uh, 15%, if I remember correctly, of the power came from windmills, but it affected like 25% of the power grid. And uh, these things have consequences if if they are, if you go too much in one direction and, you know, we'll go, want to go totally green or something like that. So, um Again, as you said, though, it's a matter of how you do it and not set up a, a dialogue that, uh, or a situation where they're the enemy and, and we're right in everything. We can learn from each other, and, and we need to. And one of the to. interesting things is there's a headline of a new poll that's come out. Polling data suggests that voters who backed former President Donald J. Trump for the 2020 election hold more nuanced opinions on climate change than the binary or the binary climate denial versus climate acceptance debate acknowledges. So in other words, they've framed it and most of our opinions are more nuanced than that. Most of us are a lot more like Jim and I are talking about. Then it went on and said 66% of Trump voters believe that climate change is real. The remaining 34% says that it's not real and the government should do nothing to combat it. Now, I'm not really a fan of the government doing something to combat it necessarily, but I do the government needs to be in support of preparedness. Okay, so I'm not looking to the government for all the answers, but I am saying, look, the government does have a role to play. Um, whether we agree constitutionally or not, they should or not, that's teaching to the ideal. The real is, hey, you got a huge power grid in Texas that's controlled by the government of Texas. So we can't just rule the government out of it. Now, I, I agree that we want to eventually uh, have more liberty and less government involvement. I go there. But you can't have it happen overnight. But, but I bring this up because most folks are starting to get this nuanced idea that, hey, just because you say this, I agree with part of what you say, but not all. 
You know what? I don't agree with the origins that they claim relate to climate change, but I do believe that catastrophes are ahead in the future and we better prepare for them. Okay, this is the nuanced discussion that, that, that Americans are starting to be acquainted with. And it's the Trump supporters, many of them not even Republican, that have this view. Many of them are not even super conservative, but they also have this nuanced idea on this climate change discussion where two-thirds of them believe that climate change is real and that we need to do something about it. Um, the origins, again, I believe are a, a big lie that they're telling, but nevertheless, we need to, to acknowledge that it's real um, because denying it doesn't help us prepare, Jim. That's the point, right? Well, I think the emphasis should be on preparedness and not on what government can or should do. When you say government has a role, um, I may acknowledge that on the state level. Frankly, I don't think it has a role in the, in the federal yeah, level. I gave the, the example national of level. the power grid is owned by a single state in Texas, to make the point. I agree. Yeah. Um, but, but again, the emphasis should be on preparedness for when these things come, not presume that we have the ability as mankind to alter the weather or to uh, you know, to, to affect it in any significant way ourselves. Ladies and gentlemen, there is hope in America, hope in God, hope in family, and hope in country. That's my claim to fame. I'm not going to go negative on America. We live in the greatest country on the face of the earth. Our job and our generation is to keep it that way, Jim. Final word to you, sir. Uh, yeah, that's brings to mind the words of Franklin when he was leaving the uh, uh, the Constitutional Convention. You know, giving you a republic if you can keep it. And uh, that's God sort of save the, the way... republic. Thanks, Jim. Yep. Okay.